Welcome to the Dive into Reiki podcast. I'm Natalie, and together we will enjoy a series of conversations that explore the journey of Reiki practitioners and teachers from all lineages. 100% Reiki-focused stories, 100% human. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Dive into Reiki podcast. Today I'm very excited. I am bringing a Reiki friend who's become actually a friend. We met in 2018 at a Shinpin training with Francine. Her name is Joan Ranieri Certain. She's based in Long Island. Is that right, right, Johnny? Yes, it's Long mm-hmm. Island. Uh, and she's a Reiki master with over 20 years of Reiki practice. She holds virtual Reiki circles, Reiki practitioner classes, and five-day Reiki series. She's also written and recorded over 100 themed and guided meditation and those psychic readings. And she views these readings as an intuitive experience into your life and the people around you, whether they are here in this earthly plane or perhaps not. And Mm -hmm. we're here to talk about Reiki, but also I'm very interested in in talking about this meditation and that part of psychic uh, that some people experience in the Reiki, how to handle it and all of that. It's the first time I bring this theme to the podcast and I'm so happy we have this wonderful journey Call her Joni, even though her name is Joan, with us today. Welcome, Joni. Hi. Hi, Natalie. Thank you so That's much. That's not psychic. We, we've known each other such a long time. Not psychic. Perfect. Thanks again, person. We, we have shared many hours of training together and many crazy experiences and beautiful experiences as well. But I realize I've known you for five years and I realize I don't know your Reiki origin story. Can you believe that? Yeah, because I don't say it much. <laughs> so would you share, like, what was that first moment you came into contact with Reiki? So, you know, we talk about Western and Eastern. My mom uh, decided to come out West. We were living in Seattle. And she said uh, while she was there, she decided to go to California and take an immersion class. And when she came back, she was a Reiki master. But I didn't really know what that was. And then one time I wasn't feeling well and she said, oh, can I do Reiki? Can I give you some Reiki? I didn't know what she was talking about, but I had a migraine and she put her hands on my shoulders and my her hands were always really cold. So she put her hands on my shoulders and we just like were standing there quietly. Um, and I started to feel calm. And that was the first time I was like, what's this about? She was in her 80s when she got her Reiki master. Wow. And it was super cool because I didn't know anything about it. But she was very spiritual. So I felt safe to kind of discover a little bit more about it. That was a big deal for me, feeling safe, you know, feeling trusting somebody. It was a big deal. And it was my mom. So then I decided we, we moved to Long Island. We moved out to New York. And... Someone said to me, hey, you want to come to a Reiki circle? I was like, what is this Reiki thing? Jeez, everybody's on this Reiki oh, no. thing. <laughs> you know, you had to spell it yet then. People were like, how do you spell that? So I went to it. It was at a library. And I started to think, you know, maybe this is kind of interesting what my mom was doing. And then one of the people in it knew me and said, hey, you should be a practitioner. Which I was like, what the heck is a practitioner? I didn't know what any of these terms meant. So I started studying it and I, that form of Reiki, Westerny, I know that like, it's okay to say it that way, right? It was a little bit more Western. Yeah. And I did it and I went all the way through. They had four levels, but I always felt like something was missing. 
And then I was looking up some things on Reiki, and that's how I found our teacher, Franz. And I decided to go more towards that in a, more of a Eastern way. But funnily enough, that was much more of what my mom did, much more of what you and I practice, much more spiritual connection within yourself. And that's something you can give to somebody. Uh, so that's how I got into it. Wow. So you was like you were meant to it, like it kept popping everywhere. You couldn't escape it. It was funny because I really didn't have any idea about um I didn't have any idea about what it was gonna lead to, but being my whole life was always about energy and you know, kind of bringing that that psychic intuitive stuff. It was a flow for me that like this was not foreign to me to understand energy. You know, it was like, oh, here it is again, coming back into my life. And my mom was so grounding. I always felt that my parents were my master teachers. So it was something that I thought, you know, if they, if my mom could do this, I'm sure I could do this. But I kind of blindly go into things that way too. Wow. <laughs> so. so tell us a little bit more about that, that intuition you talked that was always present with you. Uh, when, that you can remember, perhaps when was the first time and And also, it's not something that as a child you have it and people saying, great, she has intuition. The whole was growing up with that. <laughs> so, like I said, my parents were very grounding and very supportive. And I have three, I have three older brothers. And I seem to notice when I was very little, I experienced, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say, you know, I could hear people around me. That sounds a little crazy. But I was never fearful about it. Raised Catholic. But I am very relaxed about that. So I always felt like, oh, I guess we just don't talk about it. But I would always experience things. I would have uh, situations happen where my great aunt that lived with us, like I would see something that would happen around her. And then before I knew it, she was doing that. It wasn't like you um, thought, oh, today we're going to bake cookies. It would be something a little bit more extreme. Like maybe she was going into New York City and I'm too little. I don't know about it. And the next thing I hear is like, well, we've got to drive her to the bus. She's going to New York City. And that kept happening. Like even when I was three, I remember these things happening. And even experiencing people like I would say to my dad, Oh, did your grandfather say, so this would be my great grandparent and I would, or my great, great. And I would say things and my dad was like, well, how do you know that? But they were never thinking I was kooky or crazy. It was for me always a frequency. And I think my grandmother had that as well. But so they weren't questioning it. They weren't like, we have to bring We have to bring little Joni somewhere. They they never were fearful about that. So I wasn't. So I never felt different. Oh wow. That's a, I have a friend. She she she's a like literally sees dead people. And the beginning they took her to a psychiatric, like they thought she was schizophrenic. Yeah. So I'm glad you didn't have to go through that. Yeah, it was more like, oh, we just don't talk about this. And were I don't know why I was never really worried about it, but I think it was really because of my parents. I think it was just like, oh, there she goes again. Even my husband and my son and daughter, they don't like, oh, okay. It's, it's just a thing. It's just a thing, right? It's, again, we don't know very much the reality, the quantum physics of the universe, as we really have so little understanding. And it may sound crazy, but one day maybe they discover the explanation is actually 
quite scientific and simple, right? So I think so, even though, you know, sometimes children have like imaginary friends. Yeah. But some of my imaginary friends were really relatives that no one could see. So that's what I'm saying. Like to me, it was always energy and finding out about Reiki was evolving even more energy. And because it was about myself, I felt almost at home. Like finally I'm connecting all of it as opposed to just separating out, just fragmenting. I never felt that way. That that's um, That is such a healthy household to grow up in. I find it fantastic. Yeah, really, really supportive. But it's funny too, because I had never really mentioned it to my family that I'd had all these experiences. And then not until my mom was in her 70s, I started telling her about it. And she was like, you never told anybody. And some of my, even my best friend didn't know about it. But I just felt like this for me is how I've always been. So I don't know what it's like to be any other way. I don't know what it's like to not see things, hear things. Um, sometimes I'll be like tapped or it's just, that's the way I am. I don't know any other way. Okay. That, that will freak me out. Like I've heard stuff in my head. Like I hear voices sometimes very seldom and with a deep knowing of things that will happen or won't, or that are right or not right for me, but the tapping will, uh, that, that I would like totally like. I'll tell you what it's a tapping is about. It's really funny. Today I was doing a reading with somebody and they were a new client and I was explaining to them what they might experience and how it's interactive. I don't do a monologue in a reading. So I said, I think I told you everything. And then I felt this like, and then I realized I forgot to say that I always feel like there's something around me okay. and they were kind of like, Hey, did you forget we're here? We talked to you. So that's where I get it. Not so much like from um, an energy separate or like, okay. yeah, not that so way. Like walking like on a dark alley and then there is a tapping happening. No, but I might be told not to. It's um, the other day I was going to the gas station and I had put my wallet, literally yesterday, and I put my wallet in my coat and something said to me, don't do that. And I was like, no, I don't want to take anything. I want to just have a wallet free in my coat and not have to carry a purse. And I got to the gas station and I went to get money out and I didn't have my wallet. Oh. And so I drove away, not really realizing it had fallen. And about an hour later, someone called me and said, did you lose your wallet? And that was something that was said to me before I even got in my car. Yeah. Don't put your wallet in your pocket. So those kind of things, that's what I get. Yeah, those yeah. are the things that'll happen to me. That, that's kind of cool. Very useful. So, and obviously you actually work with a traditional Japanese style that is very much about allowing the energy to flow and holding the space. So uh, for those people who perhaps are like wondering like, oh, I should I give messages or should I hear messages for a good Reiki session or not? Uh, some people also have a very weird impression that you're only really good practitioner if you have messages. Uh, well, or like that's the evolution of your practice, which is not necessary. Like I don't receive anything when I'm doing a session. So what 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 would be your point of view on telling people about Reiki uh, practice per se and handling all these psychic abilities in a way or intuitive abilities? Intuitive. Excellent. Excellent. I was just going to say that. So for me, I don't look towards messages when I'm doing Reiki because then that would be doing a reading. But I'm here doing Reiki. And, you know, Franz always says, you know, if you're distracted, 
then you're doing Reiki distracted. <laughs> and so I, and, and obviously this part of you is very light, very heavenly. And I'm, because when we begin to practice our Reiki, truly, we get grounded. The grounding right there sets me right into it, not to go into an intuition. I've never even felt that that was a part of Reiki because you're there to do Reiki and only Reiki. So it's not, it is a part of me, but it's more of a part of me when Franz will say, become grounded so that you can become expansive. And that's the only way that I would even like look towards the intuition that I recognize that great space that you're creating while staying grounded. Does that make sense? No, it, it makes sense. And I think for a lot of people, like, again, we hear a lot of messages around Reiki and messages, sorry, about the redundancy. And I think the one that worries me the most is that if you don't receive messages during your Reiki or you're not like hearing things or seeing things during your Reiki session, that is actually less, you're less evolved or powerful. When for me, it's the opposite, as you said, the less distracted we are by trying to hear a message the more present we are and the more the energy flows to the person, not us trying to, you know, to be like Dina, and Dina, like do, 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 trying to cut things, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're truly grounded, you're truly grounded. Well, what I you know, it will always be an evolution, right? We're always evolving with Reiki. But if you're truly grounded where I'm at now in this time and space and year, if you're truly grounded, then you would be completely within the purity and clarity of that. And when I'm doing readings, it's energetically to me, maybe other frequencies. So I always think of it as a stream of frequency of flow. And I would be in a different flow. That wouldn't be what I'd be trying to do. I do know people who have said to me that they get messages. Do I get messages? I don't really go towards it because I think, oh, okay. I just give it a very like, open. you know, how some of our like teachers we've had and they'll just be like, okay, I think I don't really answer to it because I don't know what else is going on with a person. I really have heard that. Like you don't get messages, but I don't even know why they're looking towards a message. Like, where are you then when you're doing anything with Reiki, let alone a treatment or a circle, you should be much more present in that and focused. But the focus should be on you. When I'm doing a reading, my focus is like doing it with someone else. Even if I'm doing a Reiki treatment, as you know, you're supposed to be within your own energy, yeah. not doing something for somebody else. You're creating a space, but you're not doing something for somebody else, right? Yeah, there is none doing. And I really appreciate that because also like it comes from someone who actually works with this kind of like intuition. And I love something that you said about the frequencies, about flowing, you know, how you can flow from one to the other. And yeah. And I think it's very clear. And again, I think sometimes we, my head, I only share messages when they knock on my head three times. And they, like, like if I'm like in this space of absolute, like no mind still, like not open and something keeps knocking on my head, I may communicate in a very openly, by the way, you may wonder if this resonates with you. And that's happened three times in 15 years of practice, right? Yeah. So, and I think another thing that you said, if not, I do a psychic reading at the beginning, I will give messages and literally people came for the readings, not for the Reiki. Correct. And they know a lot of people do know. In fact, a lot of the people that are in the circles out here with me in Long Island, they know that's what I do. And they've come to me for that. And they even see like, this is not the time to do this with Joni. I 
also have done um, treatments on people that are in transition, that are moving from the earth plane and they're moving on. Uh, one person in particular, and she was, she had breast cancer, but it had metastasized and it moved down into her liver. When I was at her liver, I was you know, doing the Reiki treatment. I did not know that at that moment. She hadn't shared that yet. We just went into the Reiki treatment and I felt like I was supposed to stay there. But then I felt like, okay, it's, you know, when you're doing, when you're um, in a Reiki treatment, you also know through some of the practices that we do, it's time to move on. You're energetically over someone and you know, it's time to move on. After the treatment, she said, it was very hot when you were over that. It almost felt painful, which was great. I'm glad she shared that. What I was getting was, um, you know, more in a sense of Reiki, move on. So if there's any message I get at all, if I was to say I get a message, it's much, it is very intuitive. Like I sense, I sense that this is now time to go to something else. And that is very similar to when I'm doing a reading, but it's not the same thing because one is much more energetic, something I need to work on for me. And another thing is something I'm doing in a reading where we're intertwined. And there's a sense of the essence of somebody else, but not trying to, um, I'm not trying to look at the energy in a reading. I'm looking at it still for somebody else, but I'm not, um, I'm not trying to control any of it. That's another big thing about both of them. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely, I guess in a way a trust, hence the compassion so you're trusting that where you are and the grounding that you're trying to sense is completely there and you don't have to go anywhere else. Like if I told you or I said to you, I want you to stay still for a minute and what's your next thought, you would actually find that there's no, oh, I don't have a thought. Then you're in a stream. And to me, it's all a stream, if, if that makes sense. No, no, I think it's, it's very clear and, and very very informative because again, like I think you are like, I was thinking of what you said, like you were born like this. You have no idea how not to be that. I kind of like, I have a side that is like this, but I know how to move myself. Like I probably like I'm out of the stream completely um, because mm -hmm. it was a little too much for me. And also like, it wasn't as clear as yours. And, you know, so probably have more idea of what it is to be outside and a little bit in. And then I think there are people who have like they're completely out, right? So it's it's I think the beauty of it is we are very different. And by sharing our stories, we can have an inkling of like, okay, what is to be intuitive from birth and have that very developed. Mm -hmm. And you still have clear boundaries with your Reiki practice, right? And I think boundaries with people, with clients, with practices, I think it's very beautiful when you share. Thank you. It's very for me, it's very internal. And when Reiki came up and my mom was doing that with me and I knew she was just standing behind me. There was nothing like a warmth. It was just a calm. That's when I started to realize she isn't doing something. I'm recognizing my own energy, which is what you say a lot in Reiki. You know, I'm, I, I am sitting creating the space of my own energy, my own light. So that maybe the other person, especially in Reiju, maybe the other person can experience their own light. So when I'm sitting, even like, I know I'm kind of jumping a little bit, when I'm sitting doing a reading, I am just sitting, I don't even, I don't think I'm sitting in this, but I know that there's this energy 
And this person right in front of me is sitting in that same energy. We're both in the same energy. And I don't have any other thought other than that. That's true too for Reiki. And both of them take you internal. But when I'm doing a reading, there's always been this presence or essence that's bigger than just me, yet it's all one collective. It's all interconnected. So I don't even have to have like, what's happening now over here and what's in front of me. It's all just one thing, which is very dichomio in a way. I don't, I probably have the wrong way to say it, but you know what I mean? Well, it's funny before you said that about that symbol, I was thinking like you are dropping the sea in your daily life. And mm -hmm. then when you're going to do a reading, you're like the sea, you're dissolving to the sea. So all the information is available. And Correct. you can it to that little drop that is in front of you that is separate from the stream. So yes. I, we may be getting very metaphoric, but it's, it's something I've been thinking like, at the end, as long as we forget that we're separate, everything is available to us, right? It's just Right, 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 right. So today I was talking to a client and I said to them, they were talking about their body and how they exist. And I said, you do know we're all those elements, you know, we're the, the air, the water, the fire, we're all of it. <clears throat> and so I was saying to them, they're actually a practitioner. And I was saying, You know, sometimes when you're doing practices and you'll say um, where you're seated, recognize the earth. But a lot of times, and of course, we say you know, that it's below you, it's outside of you. But I try to teach people now, and I do say this to people, whether they're practitioners or not, and they're just sitting in the circle. I do tell you about the earth, but you are the earth. This element is you and you are the earth sort of like that bigger sense of you are the universe so if you are that then when you're sitting whether you're doing a reading or you're doing reiki i'm always sitting in that essence i'm always in that cosmic place i'm not separate of it and so when i sit to do a reading i know it's also this person no matter how far they are i mean they're all over the world people i read so when i'm sitting in that presence there's just this energetic connection but it is coming in an essence of what I remember to be me. And then, oh, by the way, that person, that bird, that plant, that tree, they're all in that essence, similar to Reiki. Yeah. No, it's incredible because I like I can see how they are linked because sometimes we develop a Reiki practice and our intuitive abilities grow sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. To allow to whatever, but like it's beautiful to see them as two expressions of that same uh, oneness, right? They're two mm -hmm. different. But then there are two expressions they not necessarily need to be taken together or like you, for people who think like you have to have Reiki with messages, like you can totally not have it. But I also think sometimes we go like, I'm a Japanese tarot Reiki, I won't give messages and I will be closed. And that rigidity as well, you know, is it's, it's also like sometimes we have to be like, hey, this is part of the sea, right? Sometimes it may happen and And that's an ability. Like you cannot just be chanting your precepts in Japanese. Sometimes it may develop as a reading, perhaps on the side, and be more open. Yeah. As well. But I, but I guess um, for me, when when I'm doing any kind of a Reiki treatment, even if I see, I wouldn't. It's funny, honestly, Natalie. When I I don't even get that sense of someone else because I know. Um, through the practices we do now our you know our esoteric reiki that we have to we have to really go to within and if i'm now thinking about you then i'm going to be distracted 
And because, you know, when we, when we even as practitioners teach people about Reiki and we get to symbol number two, it's such a light symbol. So some of it is just so, yeah, it's so, it's so heavenly. I remember one time when I was doing a practice, I was, I was going through there, um, Okinawan, and I said, okay, we're going to do right, the symbol number one. And then I got to symbol number two. And after they left for the day, for their second day of training, I, the person turns around, she goes, you know, I don't even really feel like when we did symbol number two. And I said, yeah, because it's so light, which is why you've got to do them in an order. You've got to learn the first one and go into that grounding. But they recognized it. That's all you need to do. You might have a message, but it should be so light that you shouldn't, like for me, I don't even connect to it because that's not what I'm doing. Though I've heard it, I don't know. I think some people want to aspire to getting a message. That would be then being psychic or wanting to be intuitive. Yeah. But I'm doing Reiki right now. So I guess for me, they're not, they're, they are separate. Yeah, it, I, for me, there are two. And, you know, but again, people experiences. I think it's a beautiful conversation to be had as well. And for me, what happens is like, I don't even feel like sensations anymore, right? I'm placing my hands on someone else. And most of the time I feel nothing. And I think it's, it may happen for some people over practice because it, it's almost like touching myself. When we do self-practice, we feel less. And that's what happened. Like there is not that separation with the person that may be on my table. And I place my hands and and it feels like sometimes I move my hands like I feel, but there is not, sometimes there's strong sensation, but there is less and less sensation. There is more stillness and more flow and more, I would call it unconditional love because some of these people I don't even know. And I'm looking at them and I'm like in love with them in a good way, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm not going to stop them, mm -hmm. but I feel this deep love. Deep for other people who feel that, do not tell that to people, they freak out. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> love. Okay, they don't come back. But, but you know, but I think, I think at the end you said something, two things that to keep in mind and trying to organize us is don't be distracted, you mm -hmm. know, stay focused, stay in, but also stay in the right energy, whatever you're doing. So I think right. things are great. But for people who are not born like you and who are yeah. not even born like me, who was kind of half in the world and decided like, hey, stepping out, mm -hmm. um, who actually are interested in developing that intuition a little bit more, perhaps not just for the Reiki practice, but for, like not to carry the wallet on the coat like you did, right? Like, right. One or two tips for them to practice. What would that be? One or two tips for somebody that's wanting to be more psychic and more intuitive. More intuitive. I really, so, right. So I don't know if I have one or two, but I, I'll say it this way. Um, it is intuition. And for the longest time, I used to call myself an intuitive, but people didn't know what that was. So I had to go back to calling it as you know, they thought of the Long Island medium because I'm on Long Island. I was like, I oh no. Oh my God. I behaved. I didn't put that on the intro. I could have called you the other Long Island medium, but I didn't. I didn't. Right. Right. And then people would say to me, so if you are psychic, do you see dead people? Do you see the future? And I said, no, I do both because of being intuitive. I don't think that there's, for me, it's not a separation. It's, it's actually more, maybe I should say it this way. They intermingle, intermingle with each other. And if there is a presence around us when, and maybe this is more uh, out there, but when I sit down to practice Reiki, it's that, it's that saying, 
the whole earth, the whole world sits with you. So what would that mean that everybody, all the energies are sitting with you? Every ancestor, everyone that has walked, you're they're walking with you, behind you. Ancestors are to the left and to the right of you, which is what I've learned through my intuition. And if that's something that you want to evolve to becoming more intuitive, then always stick with the groundedness because that will lead you to it. Some people get like, so if they are doing uh, Reiki and they start becoming infected in this circle, this one person last week said, I did it. And you had us doing this one chant. And um, I started to see my dead grandfather. And I said, well, that's because you're so grounded that you can expand to what is really available. So it's just making the choice of while I do Reiki, if I do expand to all the things that are always really available, whether you're like me or you're trained to be that way, then remember what you really are trying to practice. If you are trained to practice to be psychic, then use that over there and then evolve that. But if what you're doing is Reiki, for me, I always, I, my intuition is always open to it. So let's think of it like, well, that's my third eye. But I open my third eye by first going to be grounded and so solid. So tips for that would be if you want to go more towards your int intuition, really develop your Reiki, really develop your Hara. And I think over time, it probably has become more enhanced by doing Reiki. But that's because I've developed my Hara. And that's what I want to keep separate because I don't want people to, they, if they go up here, as Franz always says, they'll go off with the fairies. So if you want to develop it and you want to have it as something that um, it is so expansive for you and you want to develop it into a business, let's say, always remember where you came from, which was the origins of your own Hara, your own strength, your own creativity. And does, does that answer it? That makes sense. And I will just clarify for those people who are not trained in Japanese, Reiki, Hara is lower belly or belly. And actually just, if you're working with chakras, really root and sacral, probably like work your roots. And then that beautiful tree, right? Like that center is the roots. And then that beautiful foliage of the up part of your body can expand because a lot of people just develop the third eye and then they're like, they have this big top, they're top heavy. Um, they're yeah. both lean and then they're very unstable. You become very emotional. And and we hear a lot of people saying, I'm too empathetic. I can't, I'm like a sponge. And actually that is more at, at this balance and unbalance at this harmony of like mm -hmm. of centers than really a quality. Like we should not be so proud of being very empath. Like what we need to do is really bring that energy down, as you said, to your heart or your belly or your first chakras. And then you can, it's almost like you can breathe and like actually function and in a healthy way as well. And sometimes when you do like uh, maybe a tip that's like a don't, is sometimes when you do experience that you have these other, <laughs> a glamour don't, when you do have those experiences, if you start to have those experiences that you're seeing people or that you have a message for people, in a way you're kind of now moving externally. And then what happens is, <laughs> I've seen this happen, people then are like, oh, what's that shiny object? Let me go over there. <laughs> and they're gone, they're gone. And that's another reason why I'm saying, come into that lower belly, or as people would say, being grounded, um, which some people don't even understand what that is, but come into the experience of your balance, as long as you know where your balance is, because what ends up happening, you do become off balance. If that's the psychic journey you want to go on, 
or intuitive and messages can become off balance because maybe you don't even know where you're getting that from. I had a person do a tarot reading for me. She was a, she did this. And at the end of it, I looked at her and I said, um, you do know that that reading was all about your family. And she was so excited to do it. And she had three brothers, but it was like, that isn't my family at all. And she looked at the cards and she said, oh my God, because she was so off somewhere else. So even if you do things like that, really try to be present with what you're dealing with as opposed to like, oh, look, a dead answer, <laughs> you know, like stay, stay where you are. And that's a focus. I, it, you know, I say that with Reiki all the time. Focus to me is 90% of both of those. Yeah. Focus. Like Another F word. Focus, frequency, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and thank God you don't have my accent. So that word, uh, focus actually doesn't sound like the way I say it sometimes with my Spanish accents and many of my fellow Spanish speakers. Uh, so, so I'm not going to repeat it very much, but I do agree for me, like it's almost like a hundred percent, but it's like this light focus, you know, it's not, it's just, it's listen, energy goes where the mind goes. And again, as you said, if our mind is in this message, that message is all like all over the place. If we're, it's scattered. We focus on ourselves, on Ohara, on holding the space for our clients then the energy is denser and, and yummy and, and really healing can happen. And that's the same thing in a reading. Yeah. So when you're in a reading with somebody and uh, you have to find a sense of safety and trust within your own being, because otherwise then you are dispelling things or you're saying something to somebody about something you saw, but you're not really centered in a safe place. So whenever I'm doing these things or seeing these things, even with Reiki, the frequency and the streams of it are so inside me. They're not somewhere else and I'm not connecting to somewhere else. Okay. It's always flowing within us. It's not, which is why, like I said, the earth isn't outside you, by the way, it actually is in you. Those elements are all in you, but okay. some people, you know, gravitate to outside. No, I think it's a beautiful way. Again, we're talking about the drops and the sea, right? The whole ocean is inside you, a little mm -hmm. drop. And I, it's funny because for me, yeah, like when I think of like intuitive and, and this kind of stuff, I think of hearing outside or seeing outside, mm -hmm. not inside. So I really appreciate you bringing that point of view and like reminding us like everything happens inside, be Reiki or being readings or honestly, anything like our approach to work, like, you know, our enjoyment. Mm -hmm. of work. Like I was hearing today a podcast about the whole, we, the way we tell our life stories and where we end the chapter can completely change your whole life and how you approach your life. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's your inner way of seeing things, right? So it has a lot of power. Because I even remember we lived in Chicago for a while and I would be on the bus going back and forth to where we lived and I could hear people on the bus. I mean, they weren't talking to me, obviously, but I could hear them, let's call it telepathically. I don't think there's any words to describe how I sense things. We could say clairvoyant, clairaudient, we could say all those, but I really can't describe it. It's a knowing, it's just an inner knowing, which happens when you're in Reiki, you just know. And even when you're doing some of the practices in Reiki, you're like, oh my God. And then you start like, this happened. And then you fly away, you're not connected. Yeah. It's similar in a reading that, oh, I would hear all that but I wasn't grounded. So I was feeling fearful, which is another thing that can happen with intuitiveness, with being psychic, that you start to hear things and then you go into fear. And then we know 
Reiki precepts say, you know, do not worry. So those things are because some of it is illusion. Some of it is distraction. And when you sense that you have these psychic abilities, which we're all headed towards, we're all headed towards developing our intuition. Why? Because we're all starting to realize to go back into community and go back inside ourselves. Where does it begin from us? And so that's going to evolve even more. And then that will come more into that compassion and love because it started with our own compassion and love. So when you start from that place, and even when you were saying love before, you really start with that. When I start in readings, I'm trying to come from a loving place before I even see the person. Because now we're all interconnected and I have this essence in front of me. And all I can do is be in that energetic essence, same as Reiki. So I, that's an, another tip, I guess, in a way. Very long tip. Very appreciated. I think it's I think it's the first time I have this conversation and I think it was with the right person, right? Like we uh, talk a lot about it openly or unless you have these classes and then like they're mixed also with manifestation and a lot of things that are not, that may be true to some Reiki lineages, modern, like modern Reiki lineages, but not to the tradition as it was a hundred years ago. Well, mm. we also don't know for sure what it was, but at least apparently not. Uh, I have another, I like switching gears a little bit, you also have a huge amount of recorded meditations and mm -hmm. people love guided meditations. A lot of Reiki practitioners also are interested in doing that. So how did that come about? How did you start recording them beyond your beautiful voice and having a studio and a husband <laughs> with music and can help you? Uh, how did you decide to start doing that? I don't know. No, I mean, <laughs> what happened? I just what happened was... It just happened. Now, I went to a couple of Reiki classes when, when after my mom, and then I started going to those Reiki circles. And honest to God, I didn't really like the meditations they would say. I wasn't like into there's a unicorn, you're at the beach, and this starts out. <laughs> I'd be sitting there with my eyes closed. And because we're both artists, you and I, that's very visual for me. That's like, oh my God, why is there a unicorn in the beach? And what am I doing here? And they have something for you. I don't want to be here. So I, you know, you're supposed to be calm and going to this meditative state. And I would come home and say to my husband, Oh my God, I went to this other circle. And now they're talking about, we got to go underwater and you're swimming with the dolphins. And he said, well, then you should just do something on your own. Someone I had met in advertising said, uh, they asked me to come to a circle and they said, you know, I, I've heard your voice. Would you record something? For this museum in Florida, the Frost Museum, they're measuring how people feel when they're affected by hearing a guided meditation. So they just wanted like a five minute meditation. So I recorded it and they love it and they use it now as scientific measurements of they put this little thing on a person's finger and they measure how they um, receive information, in their bodies, their neurons. So then my husband said, you know, we could do more recordings like this. And so I started, he said, just start to write something. So the first one I write, I don't know why, but I called it abundance. So I wrote it. I was so excited. He has a recording studio. We were going to sit and record it. And we did it. And I was so proud of myself. It was 20 minutes long. God. And then I said, what? <laughs> so I have like a whole bunch that are 20 minutes long. Then I have the newer ones that are short, two minutes long. So I looked at my husband and I said, so like, what should I do now? And he said, keep writing. So that's how we got to in a year. 100 meditations because he just said well i'll just keep recording it and they're on all different themes being in you know in advertising you got to have a concept so you theme it 
And then eventually I started to feel like maybe people needed something short, quick. Uh, maybe it's the middle of the day and they need something just for a little while, like maybe two minutes, three minutes. So I took portions of the meditation and that's what I've now moved over into uh, certainenergy.net where I do the subscription meditations and they're visuals with them that my husband and I shoot. So you can either look at it or you can listen to it, but it's really any time of the day where you might need something that has that calming sense and just kind of rewrites your ship into balance and allows you to go through the day. Some of them are just uh, hearing me guide you through some breath work, but some of them are actually moving practices where I might be asking you to bring your hands to gasho, bring your hands to prayer hands. And it just felt like something that people needed because they may not have that much time. Some people do it in the car. And I always say, well, pick the one that doesn't have a moving practice. <laughs> well, unless you have like a car with a computer, like you're on the highway and there is like the self-driving, still not a good idea. <laughs> well, because sometimes I say, close your eyes. So that was <laughs> So that's why I did it because I just felt like I needed something that I really enjoyed. And after I wrote the meditations, I even say on it, you know, maybe this is something that you'll enjoy too. It was something that I felt I needed to hear. And they're not so much like, uh, like sometimes when you hear meditations and you hear the person's voice completely change, they're much more just my voice and trying to give you a place to land and then listen and then find some peace and focus. And then you're out and then maybe you can continue on on your day or you're in the evening and you just want to be quiet. That's why I did it. That is a fantastic resource. And it's funny, the book I published, it was the same way. I could not understand people guiding Japanese meditation. Like where is the breath goes and why through the arms, the hands. Oh, wow. And I started doing the drawing and then I had so many drawings and some people saw them. I'm like, oh, I finally get how you do Joshin or Seishin Dotsu. And then I'm like, well, maybe I'll do a book. So it really started like you because I couldn't find mm -hmm. what I needed. Which means if anyone is listening or hearing or watching us, if you have one part of Reiki practice that you're not happy with, always try to maybe create something, a resource uh, that will work for you because maybe other people will go like, you know, people with your meditations or my book, like this is what I needed. So it's always interesting to see that. Yeah, it's the evolution that people are like, even when they come to the Reiki circles, after the Reiki circle, they'll say, Johnny, do you have anything else? Like, can I do something in between? Any techniques you can tell me to do in between? I'm like, hmm, yeah. yeah, I do. And and I have to say like a cute little part too. When we sat in our first Reiki class, I remember looking over and seeing you sketching. And I was so enamored by it because I was like, oh, an artist. And you were doing these cool things. And then at one point during one of our breaks, you were saying, you know, I do this because I am trying to understand how we're learning this. And it was really good for me, which is why I wanted your book, because I needed the visual. I really needed to see what the visual was. Um, eventually, I really thought, this is perfect. This is exactly what I need. And that is the uh, impetus for why I did the meditations. You're right. And I think you said something, because I was going to ask you, Ati, but you actually gave it, don't change your voice. Obviously, speak slowly. Don't go suddenly speak. <laughs> it may be very soothing, but it's also not true, true to who we are. Like, no. 
just slow down. Like I do slow down when I guide, like in my case, I speak like Speedy Gonzalez on steroids. Uh, but, but I, you have a lovely voice and yes, like we're Thank not you. posing as spiritual people. We have a <laughs> practice. So I, I, it's the first time I hear someone says, I don't change my voice. And I'm so happy to hear that. And yeah. Any other tip you want to add? I don't. Well, um, the other part too is when I'm doing breath work, I have a tendency to also, especially when I'm in circles, I'll speak a lot through the circle. Like I'll be saying, uh, you know, if they're doing breath work and I'll say, where's your head? Where's your shoulders? So I try to put that into the meditations as well. Like check your feet, you know, where are your feet? Because a lot of times I notice if you start, you know, maybe, you know, you and I have been doing it a long time or fronts, you're really ready. You're right there. You know, the minute of meditation starts, you're like, oh. But that isn't always the case for people. So another thing that I think is important is to give some, when I do the, write those meditations, a lot of times I'll put in a little bit more of instruction, but it sounds like I'm just giving you this flow of a guide, of a guide, but the guide is really put your chin, get your spine straight. What are you listening to? You got to listen to me, you know, and I want them to hear it. One time somebody heard it and they said, well, you're very direct in your meditations. I said, because you are in a space that you really need the, you know, you know, when you go bowling and they put up those so that it doesn't go into the gutter, you need that guidance a little bit. As Franz always says, you need to be firm and flexible. I think that's what I try to also, even in your in your illustrations, they're beautifully done, but they have a structure. And I think structure in readings and in my intuitive readings and in Reiki, so important because otherwise you're just out there and you don't know where to go from there. So yeah. I put that in there too. And I think structure and posture too, right? Like I rem a lot of people hate posture. It's like, why do I need yeah. posture? Because it's the anchor, right? When you keep, like it's literally the anchor so you can expand and it's a structure so you don't fall asleep, so your head doesn't hurt. Like there is a reason for posture not to torture you, uh, you know, as mm -hmm. a person. It, it literally is. And I love the the Buddhist monk I went to Japan. He said, Westerners, very flexible and loose in posture, but very rigid in their mind. Japanese people, very straight in their posture, very, um, a little like, uh, rigid in the posture, but very flexible in their mind. And and so it's interesting, like, as you said, structure actually allows you, the same way that the grounding, the building, the energy in the belly really allows you to expand. It's not a prison, like, in our, see, in our society, we see if I want to be creative, I cannot be grounded. If I want to be creative, I don't need structure. I need to break the rules. But you first need to know the rules to break them well. Like, you yeah, need... It, yeah. Just like uh, Picasso, you know, there's a famous Picasso painting where he painted an altar boy and it, you would not even know it's a Picasso, but he started, he had to learn and go through a mastership and then he became in his own style. So obviously you and I and Franz did this in, in our, he said this before in front of us that, you know, Joni has a certain way she does it and Natalie has a certain way she does it, but we all have the essence and the foundations of what we know to be true about the way we do it. And even though this is like, even for my readings, the way I was born, I've always been secure in it. So I've never felt like I'm making up something as we go along. Like I'm always feeling like this is where I am. I'm very present. 
And that's the same thing I do in the meditations. I do take a deep breath in before I start to record it. And then I just trust that this is the right way it has to be. But it isn't something where I go into some other woo-woo sound because then it's sort of like when we do our chanting, Japanese chanting is monotone, not melodic. Like maybe you would hear in a Kundalini type of thing, but it's monotone so you don't get distracted. And that's always been in my mind when I'm recording it. I don't, I want to be very clear and then also give a person a sense of calmness and patience, compassion. I love that. So much wisdom. And I'm going to close with a question that is the opposite of wisdom. And I'm quite interested because I never heard that either. So I finish every interview with an oops. Um, As you know, because you've heard the podcast. So if you will be so kind as to share your oops, it can be about readings, Reiki, uh, guided meditation, whatever you want, just something that makes you smile and is a great lesson for other people. That's a tough one, like an oops situation that makes other people feel really, that makes me more so laugh about it or... I, I think, for example, a good one from me is when I learned the symbols, I had the idea they were the equivalent of long distance codes. You know, when you dial for France or Belgium, three to two. <laughs> so, of course, I dial this and I get this energy. I dial this symbol and I get that other energy. Um, yes. I, and I was like telling everyone people were not understanding symbols. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I get it. It's like a long distance code, you know, from Belgium. So that's a noops. Uh, it's kind of cute. It's like a belief that perhaps didn't happen. I've had people saying noobs when they were trying. I remember one from Justin Stein. He was trying so hard to have more energy that he got glued to a guy and he couldn't lift his hands. And he was feeling electrocuted and he freaked out. So any oops is welcome. You know, if I go more towards um, something that has an oops, it the, the one that comes often, uh, well, I hope not as often, but when I'm teaching to practitioners, and I think we both do this or, well, I know I do this, that you'll say to somebody, somebody will say, oh, my hands are so warm. Oh, I feel really hot. Oh, you know, people will experience their energy. They don't realize it because they've never had that focus. So one time we were doing um, uh, one of the practices where there's someone lying down and you have a couple of practitioners and as, as one, you all put your hands down on the person and then you go to another part. It's a certain technique we do. So uh, I had five people and they were all practitioners. They were finished their Okaden training. And at the end of it, everybody went around and said, oh, I felt this. Oh, I saw colors. You know, all those things that you always hear. And the one person in the room says, I didn't feel anything. And I said, great. <laughs> were you? <laughs> because the person was probably the most, not that the other people weren't, but she was probably the most present because she was like, yeah, I was here and I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel a message. I didn't feel anything from the person. I just was here. And I thought that is the best situation because you showed up, you stayed focused and nothing else was distracting you. And she's a person that we sit down to meditate. She goes, oh, I'm getting so distracted. But in that practice, she was so focused. She didn't need to sense one thing or a message or the person lying down. So that would be... The oops I can think of right you because you say great and the face of everybody else must have been like what <laughs> I can see that face and it's a great thing it's it's something I'm I'm telling more more my my students and it's hard for them to believe it like 
is really not like sometimes feeling too much can lead you astray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also you're always trying to catch those big sensations and they don't happen all the time, even if you are mm-hmm. sensitive to those. And, and they don't mean also something really good. It just means like place your hands here, right? Place your hands yes. here. Like there is no magic to it beyond that. Um, and that's true in psychic. There's no magic like um, I might say something to somebody and they catch on to the fact that I said, oh, this person embroidered a pillow for you and the name is this or the writing is this on the pillow. And they get excited about that thing because it's a, it's to them something they can grab onto. Meanwhile, I just gave them a message from somebody else that was like the rest of their life. But they get kind of caught up in the wrong thing. So it's, that's also t- true doing intuitive readings that sometimes the subtlety of it is so profound much much bigger than you realize like I feel nothing I know it's funny like I remember a lot I did a reading with you many years ago but what I really remember is that you could understand it because we were speaking French at the beginning like that's the one thing I still like laugh about Uh, (laughs) and I remember other things but like yeah like we get so yeah it's a great oops look where we got a great lesson for all of us And thank you so much. I will also be sharing your links to your website um, so people can reach out to you uh, for Reiki training. Again, I encourage people to do it in person. So if you're in Long Island, Mm -hmm. reach out Mm -hmm. to Johnny, uh, as well as your meditations and whoever um, wants a reading as well. Uh, This is a Reiki podcast, but they're very, very good. And thank you so much, Johnny. I learned so much about you. I didn't know. Uh, this Uh-oh. is <laughs> no, but beautiful. Like I was like literally preparing my list of questions, and I realized like we have such closeness. We talk to each other like we've known our whole life, but I literally mm-hmm. didn't know your life. I was like, well, <laughs> interesting, you know. So it's great. Thank you, Natalie. I'm really honored. I really am. You're such a great friend of mine. I know that we only know each other like this amount of time, but I feel like we've always known each other, and I do not say that to everybody. So. Thank you, soul sister. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening or watching. Besos. Thank you for listening to the Dive into Reiki podcast. You can read a full transcript of today's interview at diveintoreiki.com slash blog. If you found this episode helpful, please hit the subscribe button, leave me a review, or just share it with your friends. It makes all the difference. Thank you. Gracias. Merci. Merci.